So our first reading this morning is in Luke chapter 2, and it's verses 21 to 40. On the eighth day, when the time was to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord, And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Thaniel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Thanks be to God. Simeon and Anna were both old, older even than Gordon and Sylvia. And they were both godly, more godly even than Gordon and Sylvia. And they both happened to be in the temple when Jesus was presented there by his parents. It was no surprise that Anna was there because she seems to spend a whole time in the temple, worshipping and praising God, fasting and praying. And Simeon, he wandered in and out, but that day he wasn't there by chance. He was led by the Spirit to the temple in time to see Jesus. And having seen the Son of God, he declared he could now die in peace 
because with his own eyes he'd seen the salvation which God had prepared in the sight of all peoples, a light which would bring revelation to the Gentiles and glory to God's people Israel. It was said of Simeon that he was waiting, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And Anna, when she saw Jesus, she gave thanks to God and spoke about him to all those who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So they were both waiting, looking forward, anticipating the future with a sense of expectation. Waiting, longing. In Simeon's case, waiting for the consolation of Israel. In Anna's case and others, they were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. They would all have used different words to describe what they were waiting for, but they were all looking forward into the future with faith in their hearts. Because they all believed that God was going to step in and rescue his people, comfort, redeem and save them. Some of them had been waiting a very long time. You certainly get that impression of Simeon and Anna, but they'd never failed or faltered or wavered in their faithful ministry of prayer. All that time when it looked as if God wasn't doing anything, they were praying. They persevered and kept the lamp of faith burning. And rather than reminiscing about the good old days and how things aren't what they used to be anymore, they were looking forward to what God was going to do. They were looking up and they were prepared to keep on praying until things around them started to look up as well in answer to their prayers. This talk of consolation, redemption and salvation is all language about God setting things right and rescuing his people. And if you know your scriptures as these people did, the phrase, the consolation of Israel, might bring to mind the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 40, where God tells the prophet to comfort, comfort his people. And that whole section of Isaiah from chapter 40 onwards is full of prophecies about how God is going to set things right, restore the nation after the trauma of exile. Those three words, consolation, redemption, salvation, crop up again and again in this part of Isaiah. There's a little cluster in chapter 51, which talks about the ransomed of the Lord returning, coming home, entering Zion with singing, with everlasting joy crowning their heads. They will be overtaken by gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will flee away. And the Lord declares that he is the one who comforts them and their salvation will not be long in coming. And as these older people pondered these promises, they were inspired to pray, Lord, do this in our time, in our future, in our day. And you don't just find stuff like this in Isaiah 40 and onwards. In chapter 35, there is a call to comfort the faint-hearted, to strengthen the feeble hands, to steady the knees that give way, a call to fearful hearts, Not to be afraid, but to be strong. Because the Lord God is coming with vengeance and divine retribution to save his people. The Lord is preparing a highway for his people, granting those whom he has redeemed safe passage home, and the ransomed of the Lord will return. And they will enter Zion with singing. And you find the same promise in chapter 35 as you find in 51. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them 
and sorrow and sighing will flee away. These are the promises that Simeon and Anna and those around them cherished and nursed in their hearts and inspired them to spend their time in the temple praying. And they knew that when God comforted and saved his people, those whom God had redeemed would come home with singing and with joy and the time of sorrow and sighing would be over. And no wonder then, after all that time spent praying and waiting and fasting and looking, wow, when they saw Jesus, that was the answer to their prayers. The time of longing and waiting was over. The time of fulfilment and answered prayer was here. Simeon knew this better than anyone. Waiting for the consolation of Israel, he knew as soon as he clapped his eyes on Jesus that he was seeing the Lord's salvation with his own eyes. When we see Jesus, we see God's salvation. Through Jesus, the Lord has redeemed, he has saved, he has comforted his people. And there's more to come, of course, because we still experience sorrow and sighing and everlasting joy is still some distance away. Yet the birth of Jesus is the first step in the fulfilment of God's promises. And the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the guarantee of the eternal life that is to come, which has that everlasting joy when sorrow and sighing will not be in existence anymore, ever. And the Holy Spirit, who guided and inspired Simeon, brings God's promised future into our presence. The Holy Spirit guides and inspires us to pray what God has promised into reality. So as we look at Simeon and Anna and their faithful ministry of prayer, there is no reason why we should not have the same confidence as they did in God's salvation. All this talk of consolation, of redemption, of salvation, it's all about God setting right what's wrong. When we've gone wrong ourselves, when we've gone off the rails or taken a wrong turning, when we look back over the past year and see mistakes that we have made or failures that we've committed, the gospel of redemption is the good news that God gets our lives back on track again. God wants to make something of our lives. And Jesus is the Redeemer who enables God to do just that. Whatever lies in your past, there is still time for God to work out a happy ending. And Jesus is the one who sets us right because he gave his life to ransom us from death and destruction and give us life in all its fullness. So if yours is a life that's gone wrong, Jesus is the one who redeems it and is able to make something good and worthwhile and positive out of it. And it's never too late for him to do that. However bad the past might have been, he can rewrite your future because he's the redeemer. And if the gospel of redemption is for those who've done wrong or gone wrong, the gospel of consolation is for those who've suffered wrong themselves. Those who are wounded, hurting, angry, confused. People perhaps more sinned against than sinning themselves, but whose anger and pain can so easily have destructive consequences for themselves and those around them. To such people, Jesus brings the good news of consolation 
of God's comfort, restoration, his peace, his healing. And when Jesus holds us and says, that's better, he's the one who has the power to make us better. He's the one who pours his grace into our lives because he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. His comfort and healing are real. And if we're in the midst of pain and despair and some of us are still journeying through that at the end of 2017, he journeys with us, brings us into a place of comfort and healing and peace. And he won't leave your side until you get there. And salvation, well, maybe that's not so much for those who've done wrong, who have been wrong themselves, but for people for whom everything has just gone wrong, people for whom life has fallen apart, people who've reached the end of the road and can't see any way ahead, everything is just caved in on top of them, people who've seen joy and gladness flee away and sorrow and sighing take their place. It is to such people that Jesus brings salvation. Promising that whatever disaster has overtaken us, this is not the end. There is no situation beyond his power to redeem. Nobody's life that can't be turned around. No one who can't be saved. Jesus is the one who comforts our sorrows, forgives our sins, redeems our lives and saves us from disaster. That's why he came bringing God's rescue package to us. That's why he was born. That's why all the people who were in the temple that day needed to hear what Anna had to say as she spoke to anyone who would listen about the redemption of Jerusalem. Yes, she was a very old lady, but like lots of old ladies, she knew what she was talking about. So Simeon and Anna read the signs of rights and recognised and welcomed God's Messiah, And others around them did as well. But not everybody would. Yes, Jesus was a sign that not everyone would accept. There were those who would resist him, harden their hearts against him, speak against him. One of the things Jesus would do would be to bring everything out into the open. The secrets of people's hearts would be revealed and some of the things that came to the surface would not be very nice. And there would be those who preferred to reject God's offer of salvation in Christ because they had no intention of allowing their innermost thoughts or feelings to be exposed. Thank you very much. So there was something divisive about Jesus coming as well. He came as redeemer, saviour and comforter for everyone, but there would be those who would turn away. We all have the choice about whether to say yes to him and welcome him or say no and keep him at arm's length. And while those who embraced and welcomed him would be lifted up, those who rejected him and turned away would find themselves heading for a fall. And what about us as we stand on the very threshold of a new year? How do you respond to Jesus? What do you make of him? What's your answer to him going to be? Does your life need redeeming? Are there hurts from the past from which you need comforting? Are there situations from which you need saving? 
Well, Jesus is the Redeemer, the Saviour, the Comforter. And the end of one year and the beginning of the next is a good time to place your life in his hands because he was born for you, he died for you, he rose again for you, and you can trust him. All it takes is a simple prayer. Jesus, be my saviour because I need saving. Redeem my life because I need redeeming. Heal my hurt because I need comforting. And you may not understand the ins and outs of how it works, but it's why he came and what he does. And faith is not measured in understanding, it's measured in our willingness to place our lives in Jesus' hands and trust him. And for us, at the end of what might have been a difficult year, we welcome Jesus as our saviour, as our redeemer, as our comforter, as the one who sets right what has gone wrong. And because he is our saviour, our redeemer and our comforter, he invites us to put our trust in him for the coming year. Asking, hoping, praying, seeking, longing for it to be a year when those whom he has redeemed will come and find the gladness and joy of belonging to his kingdom. Maybe you lost it this past year. Pray that God would restore it to you again. In my soul, I firmly believe that God wants and intends to draw people to himself in 2018 and he wants to use us to do that. To give people whom God is calling the welcome and the acceptance and the grace and the forgiveness that they need to know that actually God is their saviour and comforter and their redeemer. God will do the drawing. It's ours to do the welcoming. We sang a few minutes ago, unfailing love from heaven's throne that sought me out and brought me home. This is the place. These are the people among whom those whom God is bringing home will find God's welcome, God's love, God's acceptance, God's grace. And so we want to be praying like Simeon and Anna and others in the temple saying, yes, Lord, we are ready for what you are preparing for us in this coming year. And God calls us to be people of prayer. If we are going to be anything like Simeon and Anna, that means facing the future with confidence and expectation that God is good, that God is gracious, that God is faithful, that he keeps his promises and he's in the business of setting past wrongs right through his son, Jesus Christ. Christ is born. He's with us. He's our redeemer and our saviour. And these are powerful, life-changing truths, more powerful than our past regrets or our future fears. So with Simeon and Anna, let's pray that God will work to save and comfort and redeem lots of people in this coming year. And that we, for our part, will find ourselves in the right place at the right time with the ability to see what God is doing and with the right words to say that we can play our part in God's work in us and through us. Remember, it's only those who spend time in prayer who find that the answers to their prayers are worth waiting for. It's only those who spend time in prayer who find that the answers to their prayers have been worth waiting for. So let's pray.
Lord, some of us don't know which way to look. We look back and we see turmoil. We look forward and we see uncertainty. Lord, we want to look up and see you. Be our saviour and rescue us. Be our comforter and console us. Be our redeemer and sort our lives out. Thank you that you accept us as we are, who we are, because you love us. Teach us how to trust you when we find it difficult to trust anybody else. And be with us in this coming year. We ask in your name. Amen.